He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Will Slickers. Thank you guys for your patience for this episode. It's been a while since I posted an episode just because of, you know, Thanksgiving and now coming Christmas and all that good stuff. But lots of exciting stuff happening this week. So, again, thank you for tuning back. And uh, I want to introduce you and kind of talk about today's uh, guest on the show. Her name is Melissa Agnes. She's an author, a keynote speaker, and a strategic advisor to some of the world's leading brands. Uh, To give you an example, she's worked with Hilton, and I believe still does, but don't quote me on that. And in this episode, we talked about her book called Crisis Ready, Building an Invincible Brand in an Uncertain World, and kind of what that means on, you know, being crisis ready versus what's an issue and a crisis, and how can leaders and pretty much anybody in the community, whether you're in a hotel or restaurant or anything else like that, um, how can we develop that culture from within, from the leadership down all the way, you know, to whoever, and, uh, it was a really cool conversation. We had a lot of fun, I believe, you know, just talking into what it means to be good leadership along with, you know, problem solving and looking at a different mindset. And I love the quote that, or the, you know, the word that she used, looking at a different lens. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about that on what it means to be crisis ready, how to define crisis and issue slash problem. And so, yeah, that was a fun episode to record. I hope you guys enjoy and get tons of value. And stick through it to the end, and you can find out more about Melissa and how to get her book, as well as all the other cool information in the episode. Stay tuned. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. All right. Thank you for joining Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Again, today, I'm your host, Will Slickers. I'm really excited to have Melissa Agnes on the show. Um, She is a crisis readiness expert. So, Melissa, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, Will. How are you? Doing excellent. Really pumped to have you on the show. Um, We talked a little bit beforehand, and I really want to kind of just dive into what the episode entails and that's crisis readiness which is what you're an expert on and kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you got to where you are as well as a little bit about your book and we'll kind of dive in from there sure um okay so what i do i help organizations i i say that i help organizations build brand invincibility so you know in i was gonna say invincibilize that's so not a word but Um, Exactly that. So build brand invincibility. So the way that I do that is through uh, my lens, which is crisis readiness. So I help, I help companies around the world um, of different scales, of different sizes, of different industries, of different sectors. So public, private sectors, um, academia, et cetera. Um, I help them understand what risks, what risk looks like to them, how to um, prevent the preventable and then how to be, because we can't prevent every risk. So how do you make sure that in this uncertain world, in this world of very dynamic risk that can kind of come from any angle, how do you make sure that your entire team from every 
department, every you know, region, et cetera, understands three things intrinsically well. They understand what risk look, looks like so they can detect it in real time, giving you the head start of a, pro a proper response. Mm -hmm. They understand how to assess its material impact on the organization. So in other words, is it an issue or is it a crisis? Because yeah. in this day and age, an issue can go viral and feel like a crisis, but not actually amount to be crisis level. And so your response to that issue needs to be appropriate and you don't want to, you know, add fuel to a fire that actually escalates it. So making sure that the team really understands what risk looks like and then how to assess it. And then ultimately, how do you respond to any type of negative event, be it an issue straight through to catas catastrophic crisis in a way where you don't just, you know, mitigate for the escalation and mitigate um, long-term material impact, but you come out of it with increased trust and credibility and goodwill in the brand that you work so hard, you know, every day to, to foster that brand equity within. Definitely. And so this is all in your book in crisis ready, building an invincible brand in uncertain world. Correct. Yes. Oh yes. And that book is literally the roadmap to how to do this stuff. Awesome. Um, what companies have you worked with? that have seen successful results from this type of strategy and of course, differentiating you know, between an issue and a crisis. Um, okay, I'll give you a story. I work with so many different organizations. I don't, um, I work in uh, very complex situations and very um, sensitive. So yeah. I don't like to say client names, but I will, I'll give you a story that I love. Um, so I had a client, I have a client who called me a few years ago, like three years ago now, because they had, they're a venue. They're one of the biggest venues for their type in um, North America. And at, they have over this course of a month, they have about 2.6 million people on their grounds at wow. any given point in time, they can have about 185,000 is usually their peak at any one moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and they called me after they had what turned out to be a firearm, a, a discharge of a firearm, but at the time, everybody thought 185,000 people thought that it was a, um, a shooting attack, right? Like a, yeah. a workplace, a violent um, mass shooter. And so panic ensued and they called me after the incident, you know, was resolved. And they said, we're not sure that we took the right approach. We think that we need some training um, mm. because they were tweeting as their form of emergency management, emergency communication. And they absolutely should not have been tweeting, right? Like in, in yeah. that type of incident, um, social media and the media are the secondary means of communication to let others know, for example, to let parents know that their kids are okay once their kids are okay. But the primary means of communication needs to be to make sure those kids are okay, yeah. <laughs> right? On the grounds. Um, so they, I did, they recognized that they didn't know really what the, they didn't have the expertise. They didn't have the training. So they called and they wanted training. What they got from me was um, a very strong response on why they don't need training right now. They need, they need process and protocol and a crisis ready program. And then we do the training. Mm -hmm. um, so they were wise and they, they took that advice. And over the last three years, every year we work, we increase their crisis readiness. And about a year ago, I want to say, or maybe at the start of this year, wow, which is about a year ago almost, um, they called me and they said, you know, Melissa, I don't think that your definition for issue versus crisis 
applies to us. And I said, oh, tell me why. And because I have a very clear definition, which I can share with you guys later um, in a minute. And then I said, so tell me why. And they said, well, because we had an incident, it was not an issue, but it had, we had to respond to it. I'm sorry, it was not a crisis, but we had to respond to it as though it was a crisis. Mm -hmm. And so they walked me through it. And what what it came down to was they're so crisis ready that, and I it was such a proud moment for me because I got to say, can we just pause and reflect on, you know, three years ago when you called me, you had a potential active shooter and you were tweeting and you knew that that wasn't the right approach and you called to help. And today you just had what was absolutely a potential crisis quickly escalating and instinctively you and the entire team were able to do exactly what was right, exactly what you needed to do in both action and communication because both are required simultaneously to be done effectively in managing a crisis. And you were able to instinctively de-escalate that down to an issue level and then from there quickly de-escalate it down to a non-issue level. Yeah. And so to me, that's like the epitome of, I don't want my clients to need me. I don't want my clients to have crises. I don't want them to need me when something happens. And to know that just the 180 that this incredible organization did because of their efforts, because of their dedication and the trainings and everything that they put forth um, and put time and commitment to and the people that they save, the lives that they protect as a result of that is just, is, is the reason that I do what I do. Exactly. So they... We're like, oh, we don't really need you. But it's like, no, you don't not need me. It's you did everything that we've worked on together and it's proven to work. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, kind of what does, what does it mean for an organization to be crisis ready? We've been talking about it. We talked about a little bit on what issue and crisis means. Um, but how can the listeners, because a lot of the podcast listeners um, out there is a very, very, very wide audience, but um, I think the main thing that ties us all together um, from me to the audience is that hospitality is about people. It's about um, the experience of guests and whether it's a restaurant or a vacation rental or hotel or whatever, um, the hospitality uh, is, is the key aspect. And so we have anywhere from executives that listen in, you know, big name brands or small independent boutiques, as well as the brand new beginner who's working front desk or in housekeeping or, um, any kind of position like that, along with a big um, vacation rental market area. So for the listeners, how can they become crisis ready and kind of define those terms for us? Yeah, absolutely. And it's amazing that you have such a diverse audience. That's wonderful. Um, so, so becoming crisis ready really is cultural. It's, it's not about having a plan that the majority of the organization doesn't even know exists on a shelf, um, which is typically speaking traditionally speaking, what crisis preparedness is, which is why I don't call it crisis preparedness. We need to start thinking differently about it. So I, yeah. you know, that's why I chose crisis ready, um, which wasn't a term that was being very, it w wasn't being used um, in the industry before. Yeah. And so it really is cultural. So it starts, it le it's led top down, supported bottom up. And so every single listener has a responsibility. I don't care if you're, you know, sitting on the C-suite, if you are um, managing, if you're, you know, at the front desk, it doesn't matter. If you're housekeeping, um, you have a responsibility in the organization's crisis readiness and you need to be empowered. So this is to leadership, empowered to make that responsibility owned and for every employee to feel secure and confident and competent in that responsibility. Because okay. let's face it, a crisis for in the hospitality industry can be catastrophic, right? Yeah. It could be um, a fire that, 
you know, puts people in danger. It could be a terrorist attack. It could be, it could be a terrorist attack outside of the actual brand, but you just happen to be in the vicinity, located in the vicinity. And now all of a sudden you're either housing, um, crisis people, um, victims um, and working with law enforcement, or you are just a part of it because you happen to be, you know, wrong place, wrong time, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Natural disasters, um, foodborne illness, uh, pandemics. I mean, the risk that pertains to, and then not to mention, you know, viral issues on, I don't know, somebody, an employee doing something ridiculously foolish and, um, it being caught on, you know, live camera <laughs> because yeah. that's in everybody's pocket and it goes viral. And all of a sudden nobody wants to come to your, you know, it's tarnishing your brand. It's tarnishing your name. It's tarnishing your reputation and the trust and credibility that you've built. So it is, it's really important. And so one of the first steps to getting there to becoming crisis ready is truly defining the difference between issue and crisis, which I'll give you in a second. Mm-hmm. And then looking at your high risk scenarios, because every business has a series of most likely high impact issues and most likely high impact crises that pertain to your organization. Understanding what those are and understanding the thresholds of when does an issue become a crisis and when does a crisis get dis- you know, how do we determine that it's been de-escalated down to issue level, like the case with my client, um, instinctively, like, how do you do all that? And how do you make sure that that's really known so that you can respond appropriately? So let me back up and give you the definition of issue versus crisis. Perfect. So a crisis is a negative event or situation that stops business as usual to some extent, because it requires immediate escalation straight to the top of leadership. So in other words, this is an event that it doesn't matter what leadership is doing, if they're sleeping, if they're in a meeting, if they're on a conference call, if they're driving, it doesn't matter. They're going to need to stop whatever it is that they're doing because this incident requires their immediate attention, their directives, their decision-making because this negative event threatens long-term material impact on one to all of the following five things. So people, the environment, if that's applicable, the business's operations, its reputation, and or its bottom line. So a crisis is a negative event or situation that stops business as usual because it requires immediate escalation straight to the top of leadership because it threatens long-term material impact on people, the environment, business operations, reputation, and or bottom line. Whereas an issue is also a negative event or situation, but it doesn't stop business as usual. I see issue management as a form of business as usual on hyperdrive. It's it's the part of the job that is unpleasant, but it's a part of the job. <laughs> it's a part of whoever's, it doesn't require to going straight to leadership and taking them out of you know that busy meeting that they're in. Yeah, and I, um, think, I see that like, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, no, uh, no, no, go ahead. I see that like from the, the hotel operations standpoint being more like, know the front office supervisor or the housekeeping manager or like somebody in that leadership role that is designed to specifically handle those issues. precisely yeah instead of going up to the owner or the managing director or the you know the big gm exactly yeah yeah. and the reason being because the situation doesn't threaten that long-term material impact on any one of those five things that i named and so that can be vague. So when you start thinking about that, you start thinking through, you know, what are your high risk scenarios? And then you can start doing these exercises that look at, okay, when would, um, you know, scenario, when would, for example, 
let's give an example that isn't an immediate crisis or does it doesn't get immediately escalated because there is no issue <laughs> issue level um i don't know a customer something like happens. Use, go ahead um, from my experience i'd like to use our housekeeping team would always come up to me and be like hey this guest isn't checked out yet there's still items in the room it's past checkout time what do we do and they kind of are a little you know worried and freaked out that to me is like not a crisis issue that's a definite just all right that means we need to contact the guests we need to figure out maybe they were planning to extend their stay maybe they're in a meeting it's going a little bit longer like that's a an issue for a temporary time i don't know if that's a good example that's well it's definitely an example of an issue that's for sure um let's take it up a notch though let's let's say um something happens with a guest that i don't know um is garnering a little bit of attention uh-huh. you know so and but it's not it's not being recorded it's not being shared about um it doesn't you know that you can handle it you know that you can manage it and you do what's right you know by the people and you de-escalate that quickly versus a similar situation that is really emotionally relatable um, people are sharing the media is picking up people are talking about it and it risks having that long-term material impact on the brand um, on its reputation right like so just really thinking through the different scenarios and saying okay we are you know we're in a tornado zone or we're in a, a hurricane um, you know geographically the hurricane prone um, geography um, those pertain or active shooter or terrorist threat or you know just thinking through your different high-risk scenarios and saying what are the most likely high impact situations that we are prone and vulnerable to and then through the crisis ready model which is what my book takes you through you then begin to do a deep dive into each one of those things so you're going to look at governance right so who is responsible for what in the event of a crisis who is the decision maker who is um you know responsible how and what are those processes so if an incident happens how do you know that it becomes a crisis who is supposed to get together to assess the scope and impact of the situation to determine whether it threatens that long-term material impact and needs to be escalated to the top of leadership yeah um so just taking these steps now and then one really really one last really powerful thing is taking the time to map out your stakeholders. So saying who are the people that matter to this business? What are their groups, right? So we have employees, we have vendors, we have uh, customers, we have um, city municipality and you know the community. Um, who are those stakeholder groups? And going down and doing an exercise on what do they expect in the brand in the event of each one of those high risk scenarios because each there's going to be overlap there's going to be overlay but each one of those stakeholder groups will also expect something a little bit different and yeah. so understanding what's expected of you and putting your team in a position so they can easily detect by, because you've defined, they can assess because you've given those thresholds and they can respond in a way that meets, if not exceeds the expectations of those who matter most to your business. That is where that magic of crisis readiness and brand invincibility really starts to form. Well, and again, it comes back to the, I think the overall main picture is trust. Trust with your team, trust with your guests, trust with the brand, uh, trust with the media in a lot of ways, you know, we have so many things that make us look like one thing on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, 
But when it comes down to these crises or issues, um, that's when the brand really gets to show its true self in a way. And I think that's where a lot of people get a lot of trust in that brand, especially when something's happened and it's known because, you know, the power of cell phones and social media, um, everything's very, very well known pretty instantly. And so I think, again, everything you just said really ties back into the trust of that brand. And that, that Absolutely. And, you know, when it comes down to it, people ask me often, how is it that you work in so many different industries? And the reason being is that the common denominator in every single business that exists is, yeah. is human beings. Yeah. A brand, a successful brand is successful because of the human beings that it serves, the way it serves them, its relationships with its vendors, its relationships with its employees. So relationships are at the, at the foundation of every strong, successful business. Mm -hmm. And crisis management is about doing right by those people, by those relationships when it matters most. Um, and that's true across every single field. So yeah, yeah if you're a B2B business and that, that still applies because even though you're a business business, the marketing or whatever, it still deals with people. Even if you're B2C, like there's so many, even if you're one specific quote unquote brand or type of business or market or whatever you have, um, then I think it still applies either way. Cause we're all dealing with people no matter what, whether you're in e-commerce or a hotel or whatever it may be. Absolutely. Um, yeah, hospitality, people, all kind of tie into that. Um, I'm kind of curious. So for the buy-in by leaders uh, and members of an organization, um, it's pretty foundational to become crisis ready from what we're looking at. So how can listeners gain the buy-in and support they need to transform their organization to an invincible brand and kind of who's responsible for the crisis ready culture? So everybody is responsible for the crisis ready culture. Um, like I said earlier, it I, I believe that every person is a leader if they choose to be, if they choose to own that, um, that beautiful gift. And I don't care if, I don't care who you are or what your position is, you have the ability to lead, lead by example, lead by choice, lead by effort. Um, and crisis readiness is about that. And so it's kind of twofold. It's when, in the sense of who's responsible, everybody's responsible, but at the same time, it needs to be it needs to be led by the top in terms of um, you leadership needs to reward needs to foster that space for a crisis ready culture to exist. It needs to strategically and proactively um, lead by example with the right mindset. Um, so all of these things. So, and then, um, you know, when it comes to who is, who specifically is like responsible for owning this, that's where, it really depends on the culture of the organization. So my clients, the ones who come to me and to, to work with me, they run the gamut in the sense of their positions and their titles. So maybe it's the COO, maybe it's the CIO, maybe it's the CEO, maybe it's the director of marketing or the director of communications or like it just, it really runs. It depends on the culture of the organization. It depends on who has been tasked with it. And there's no conformity in that because it's so unfortunately still kind of really new and nobody really knows where to go with that. Yeah. Um, and also one of the most beautiful things when I talk about everybody as a leader, um, 
one of the things that I've seen within my clients consistently is there is somebody for whatever reason, maybe they experienced something and they thought, oh my goodness, we're not ready and we need help. Or they saw a client or not a client, but a competitor experienced something and thought, oh my goodness, that could have been us. We got lucky. We need help. And oftentimes those champions are somewhere within middle management at some level. Um, And they have to then go, and before they can hire me because they need the buy-in, they need to go and they need to sell this internally and sell the the value and the necessity, the core essentialness of, I don't think that's a word, but um, of of this um, undertaking. And there are so that can be really challenging depending on the the current culture of your organization depend on who depending on who you need to sell it to so in my book um in chapter two i provide three of the biggest the three of the most successful tactics that i've undergone and that i've i've helped clients undergo um, in order to gain that leadership buy-in so that they can actually start proactively investing in their crisis readiness and one of the things that i do want to say before kind of adding a, a full stop there is that um, showing the value. So there's studies, there's research that's just starting to be formed on the true value of crisis readiness. And it's, it gives you a competitive edge. It gives you, there's so much value that speaks to the business's bottom line and its reputation and its operations and its seamlessness internally. Um, and it's, you know, cultural components that far, that go far beyond the sole acts of issue and crisis management. And so grasping, you know, the reality of that, this, the, the facts around that and bringing that to the table is something that's very, very powerful in gaining that acceptance because people don't, traditionally speaking, human beings don't like to look at the negative, right? We don't, we don't like to talk about what's unpleasant as human beings in general. So if you can say, yes, we need to talk about what's unpleasant and here is the ROI and the rewards that we're going to see on behalf of our brand or for our brand as a result of doing that, that's a very powerful conversation to have with leadership. Totally agree. I was just going to say, it goes into two things that are really important. I think for any of the listeners from previous episodes that have heard me talk about this, I, and kind of just what Melissa was saying, is that um, it, it takes two key foundations, I think, in my, in my head. It talks about conversation and the importance of acting on conversation. Like so many times we think or talk about these things in closed doors or meetings or whatever, but then we don't bring it outside to the people and to the culture. And two, I think it comes to the point of when you said the buy-in and the added value and the ROI, that's something so huge. We focus on the ROI and the, the added perceived value for the guests when they're booking, but we don't talk about our employees and the culture that we're trying to create and what's inside the specific building or business. And so that's super huge. And those two, in my eyes, really tie together. You have to open up the conversation, even though we don't like to talk about crisis or issues or bad things. We like to sometimes get in our little bubble that we are our XYZ brand. We are great. We are amazing. Our team is perfect. Like all this type of stuff. Right. And then of course, what does the lowest level person think to what does the highest person, you know, think uh, when it comes to the culture and to bringing this into the building and into the business, because it's so huge to have everyone on board and to be open with this because so many times, like I said, it can be talked about in closed doors, right? With all the upper management and the leaders and the owners, but then it doesn't trickle down and vice versa. So yeah. 
I think those are huge key aspects. 100%. And it really is, it really does need to be, you know, mindset matters. Mindset is everything. So, and that speaks to culture. So I, when I'm on stage, I do a lot of keynotes and, and speaking gigs. And when I'm on stage, one of the things that I always say is the lens through which you choose to see any type of event. And let's, let's, I mean, my lens is, is negative events, right? Issues and crises. So the lens through which you choose to see a negative event directly impacts the actions that you take in response to that event, which directly impacts the, the result of that event on your brand. And that is, I'll give you an example. I, um, and actually this pertains to, it's not specifically hospitality, but it was a municipality. Um, so a little bit, some similarities there um, in the sense of issue and crisis management and impact and scope and just different things. But um, so I had a client call me um, a few years ago now that they were in panic. They, you know, called, they thought that they were in crisis and they, so I asked what happened. They said, well, they were tasked by um, the mayor's office to up tourism. And so they decided to launch a hashtag campaign where for their city and they wanted to, they wanted to get, they asked their city, their community to, um, to share, to use this hashtag, to share all the wonderful things about the community that they loved. So they figured if we could create some hype around the community, people want to want to come and visit us and we will up tourism. And like, I'm sure you can imagine, um, the response that they got wasn't all positive. In fact, yeah. it was primarily people sharing their grievances with the city. So when the client called me, they thought that that was a crisis because now they're gaining, garnering all kinds of attention and it's not what they wanted and they don't know how to stop it. And so they came to me and they thought they had two options ahead of them. One of them they thought was either they closed down the account, the, the hashtag campaign or they focus solely on the positive and try to bring more light to that than the negative. And they were shocked when out of my mouth was, oh my goodness, what a brilliant, brilliant opportunity to be in. Mm -hmm. And the line just went silent. They just, they huh. didn't understand where I was going or where I was coming from. And I said, so one of the things, especially with government, right? Especially with municipalities is gaining, garnering engagement is is a challenge for everybody, never mind government. Like people don't talk about their cities. They've got, they'd love to talk about a million other things other than their cities. And here you have people who care enough about your city that are doing what you asked them to. They're just may not be in the way that you expected or you hoped for, but they care enough to voice it. And so if you shut it down or if you ignore the negative and only focus on the positive, the response that you're giving like it or not, is we ask for engagement. We don't like what you have to say. We don't care. What matters to you clearly doesn't matter to us. We only want the positive. So we're going to shut down or shut out all of the negative, anything that's unpleasant. And that's a big, big, big statement to an engaged community that cares enough to be engaged. Yeah. Um, it's a big statement, period. But never mind what a missed opportunity that can be. And so my whole point in saying this was choosing your lens because you're speaking of culture and leading it and all of that. Choosing your lens is they had a lens of we could do this or this. I came back with, how about we switch that lens and we look at the opportunity and we respond to everybody in a, in the proper way. We'll respond to everybody, the good, the bad, the neutral. And then let's go a step beyond that. And let's take, let's, you know, accumulate the top five, um, grievances that are shared and let's put it on the agenda over the course of the next year and 
focus on putting attention to those to try to do what you can. You're not going to fix everything, but what can you fix? How can you use this as a way to connect with a community that cares enough about you to say it and not just take it and walk away and and do it and then come back, but you have engagement. So let's amplify that. Let's do it as a community with your community. And so they took that approach. They chose to choose that lens. And the response that they got was overwhelmingly positive and heartfelt. And um, the community engagement just skyrocketed from there, but not just the engagement, but the connection, the community connection. And as an indirect result, tourism started to increase, but as a more benefit, you know, as a higher benefit of more value um, was that they've created now, they have such a deep connection with their stakeholders, with those who matter most to their brand, which are their community members, their citizens, um, in such this powerful, beautiful way, all because they chose to change the lens. And that is cultural. Yeah, no, wow, that's huge. And I, so often I try, I try the hardest. It doesn't work all the time for me with my team, but I always like to say whenever they come to me with like, hey, we have, a, we have an issue, we have a problem. Um, I always like to say, no, we have an opportunity. And then they're like, they always kind of give me like the eye roll or they're like, oh, they kind of step back for a second and think about, okay, yeah, we have an opportunity. Because Yeah. Anytime we come up with that, you know, that issue in our head, we say, hey, we have an issue. And now we just, not only one, have we thought about it, but we voiced that. Now we have an issue, which creates a different mindset, a different lens. But when you try to switch it and say, no, we have an opportunity it changes that and it can change your outcome with the guest or with the staff member or with whoever the possibly the vendor um, that you're dealing with, uh, whether it's the community as a whole, like you just kind of gave in that example, it really changed us into a more positive. I think from like when you're becoming the problem solver, um, when you come in as like, we have an issue, this sucks, I hate this, or, you know, I don't like this, I'm uncomfortable. Um, and you change it to, we have an opportunity, you kind of get more positive about it and, which can lead into your outcome of being a little bit more positive as well. And maybe unexpected. Um, we handle situations a little bit better when that mindset. Yes, you absolutely do because you're putting people first and you're looking yeah. for the silver lining. And when an issue management is, is a core, core part of crisis readiness because issues are a part of everyday business, yeah, right? Yeah. When you run a business, issue management is a big part of what you run. And every issue you have two paths to choose from in every issue. The mm. first is you can mismanage it or you could, yeah, you can mismanage it or just manage it. Just, you know, nothing special type thing. Yeah. And what it will do is it, <clears throat> it won't amount to a crisis right away. It rarely will, you know, skyrocket into a crisis right away unless it really does have, you know, potential for long-term material impact, but it will chip away at the trust and credibility of your brand over time. Yeah. And I see that as like, is this giant iceberg that on the under, you know, under the water, it's just getting weaker and weaker and weaker until it, cr it crumbles um, or the crisis hits and then it crumbles. Yeah. And, or you can to exactly your point, see as an opportunity, choose your lens properly and, or choose the right lens, I should say, lead by example, empower your teams to lead, to lead by example, then choose the right lens and reward them for it. And every time you do that, you make deposits and my friend Captain Chris Chung of the Mountain View Police Department in Silicon Valley, um, California says that every day Mountain View Police Department works to proactively make deposits into their bank of community trust. And that's what you do in issue management. When you're choosing the right lens, you are doing that. You are 
creating an experience that puts people first, that is emotionally connected. And not only does that give you so much value as a brand equity standpoint or from a brand equity standpoint, not only does it give you value in the sense of if you do that every day, then when a crisis hits, that is ingrained in your culture. That is the mindset that will be chosen naturally because that is what is practiced every day. But furthermore than that, or furthermore from that is that when you have a strong bank of you know, stakeholder trust and goodwill to use Captain Chris Chung, or actually a deputy chief now, um, Chris Chung's um, analogy or, or metaphor is you gain the benefit of the doubt at the onset of a crisis. And in this day and age, when things escalate so quickly, when things go viral and the media is hounding and just things spiral so quickly out of control. If the people who matter the most to your business, who are the people who actually matter, if in those moments, they instinctively say, you know what, I hear it, I hear the noise, I hear about what's going on, but this company, this you know, hotel, this brand has never done wrong by me, so I am going to wait and give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to wait to hear from them because I trust that they're going to come forth, that they're going to explain, that they're going to do what's right by us. Mm -hmm. That is a very, very powerful um, advantage that is only earned by effective issue management every single day. I agree. Totally agree. And this kind of goes into the question of, you know, is there a social media crisis? But for me, kind of, kind of just backtrack onto that point you just made. We always talk about, you know, you can, for a business, whether you're a hotel or in the industry or not, um, you, you want return customers, whether you're an online store or a retail or anything like that. Like you always want repeat guests. It's Absolutely. easy to get somebody, you know, into your brand or into your store once, right? But um, getting them to come back. And I believe 100% in my bones that when like, let's go into guests and to the customer relations side of it, um, is that 100% if you can make a connection with your guests, whether you are the bartender, the valet attendant, the bellman, the front desk, whatever, I don't care who you are. Um, if you can make a connection with that guest, that is one way of quote unquote, making a deposit into the trust of that yes. customer. Because now they are personally connected. They're going to go back 10 years, five years, or just right back from their business trip or whatever they're on. Say, remember that time when that bellman, you know, went out of his way to go get this luggage that was lost and blah, blah, blah. And they sent me a new shirt because this one was ruined or whatever. There's so many different ways, right? Now you've built that trust and there's so many huge important ways. And like you said, with your client, with the hashtag campaign, that it just builds a deeper connection. And I think, again, it comes back right around in a full circle where that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that connection. We're looking for that community and to grow that connection. It's not just that one time it's, that one time that led into many other times. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Thank you yeah. <laughs> for making yeah. that real. Yeah, no, definitely. For me, I just, this gets me really excited because it, it comes back into the, you know, there's, I preach a lot on leadership and doing these things, but kind of putting into a, a standpoint of, you know, the conversation that needs to be had is that there are issues. Like let's be honest with any business, any hotel, any whatever, um, there are issues that happen and you know i think this is a really important topic on going into is it an issue is it a crisis um how do we handle it and where does it kind of stem from in this kind of culture that we're trying to create and so um with that being said what are some of the best practices for creating and uh kind of messaging to the stakeholders during this, this crisis like what is the best method that you've kind of 
See. Yeah. So it's, it really always falls back to understanding what's expected. What are the demands and expectations? And when it comes to communicating messaging in an incident, when you, when you have defined issue versus crisis, when you have identified your high risk scenarios, so the most likely high impact issues and crises, and when you've done your stakeholder mapping, you can then use that information to say in the event of crisis scenario, high risk, right? Most likely high impact. So high risk crisis scenario one, what will our employees expect of us? What will they think of, or what will they think? What will they wonder? What will matter to them? What questions will they have? How will they expect to receive the answers to those questions? In what timeline, um, where? And then, but repeat those questions for every single one of your stakeholder groups in every single one of your scenarios, you get the answers to that question that you just asked me. So, you know, it's, it really is, um, it, it's really custom, but at the same time, one of the expectations today, one of the demands is that the brand is going to be present. The brand is going to be forthcoming. It's going to be timely. Um, and the longer you take to respond effectively, we have to underscore the term effectively, to a crisis, um, the more trust and credibility you lose, the more um, control over the narrative you lose. So it becomes everybody else's story other than yours. And the more what I call crisis response penalty you suffer, which I go into in further detail in the book. Um, so looking at, the answer lies in, in looking at, in exploring all of these things, but knowing that people expect timely communication, it's just a how. So I talked about my client that was tweeting in a different type of crisis, tweeting would have been appropriate. In that type of event, it wasn't. So yeah. what does that look like for each one of those scenarios for each one of your stakeholder groups? And then putting your team in a position to know that intrinsically, to empower them to do that, to teach them best practice when it comes to communication, um, to have the right processes in place where you are feeding them the information that they need so that they can go out and meet those expectations on behalf of the brand. Like doing all of this, and I feel like I'm giving you a lot, so feel free to yeah, just yeah. backtrack me, <laughs> back me up a little bit and, and say stop and dive into this. Um, but I'm trying to just kind of paint a picture of how the engine needs to work together and how to meet those expectations, which it always just comes back down to going through the motions of I knowing what you're dealing with and knowing who you're dealing for and you know marrying those two things and putting your team in a position to be able to meet those expectations 100% agreed yeah like that is a lot and there's a lot of coverage in this whole topic but I think it like you said it really comes into empowering the team and empowering the the conversation of the culture and to get to that standpoint like understanding that this is something that's going to happen. Let's be prepared. Let's figure out the right way to act and not to act and, you know, keep learning and moving forward. Absolutely. And know too that it's, it's not as cumbersome as, as it sounds, as it may yeah. seem, as it may feel. There is a model. Um, there's a framework to doing this that is, so the crisis ready model is the framework that I've um, come up with through over my years of, of doing this for so many different diverse organizations. Um, the, there's steps that you can take. There's a process that you can, that will guide you through to becoming crisis ready and building out that crisis ready culture um, through the crisis ready model that is achievable, that you can do that, you know, the book lays out exactly how to do and also how to think about things so that I'm not giving you the answers, but I'm helping you find your answers. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, 
it's not like a copy paste scenario. It's going to be really unique to every business, I think. Yes. Because uh, we're not all the same and we're all human. So it kind of goes really into that. Absolutely. So I just want to get, you know, wrapping up the show. I really appreciate just the awesome conversation and the, the overall uh, topic. It's been really cool to dive in and kind of pull out some of the stuff that I've used in my tool belt as well. Um, where can people, so let's talk about the book. Let's talk about where can people find you? Um, where can they find the book? What's the best way to get a copy? Um, all that good stuff. And to kind of give yourself uh, a shameless shout out. <laughs> um, the shameless shout out is not for me. It is for all the listeners because I really, I believe to my core that if every organization were crisis ready to what it means to me to be crisis ready through the work that I do, um, that we would live in a kinder, safer, more balanced world. And so that is the thing that keeps me getting up every morning. That is always the vision. And how can I, how can I help this world be more crisis ready for the people that it serves for society, for all of us. Um, and your listeners play such a massive role, such an important role in this. Um, so all of that being said, so the book is on Amazon. Um, if you want to sign copy, reach out to me, Melissa at MelissaAgnes.com. Um, Amazon. So it's crisis ready, building an invincible brand in an uncertain world. I also have just launched um, an initiative that listeners might be interested in. It's, I call it the crisis ready community. And the community is a community of anybody that has any type of touch point or interest in this subject. Um, from the CIO to the emergency manager to the academic who's teaching it, the professor who's teaching it, um, straight through to the, you know, the corporate brands that are looking at, you know, the comms on this or just embedding their Christ ready culture, whatever, if you have a touch point in this, or if it interests you, um, the community will welcome you. And that is um, an initiative to break down the silos that currently exist between academia, the public sector, the private sector and to create more of a space of where we can come and we can say, hey, this is what we're seeing or this is what we're experiencing. And you can tap into this network, this incredible network around a global network of diverse, talented, exceptional humans who have different areas of expertise under the big umbrella of crisis readiness um, to support one another, to collaborate with one another, to challenge status quo and elevate that for one another with one another. Um, so all of this can be found at melissaagnes.com. That's like the hub for everything. Yeah. Um, and if anybody wants more information on the community itself, just send me an email and we will get you set up. Perfect. Um, I will also add all the links and the information that Melissa and I have talked about in the show notes and also uh, on social media and the website and all that good stuff. So definitely check it out. And Melissa, I just want to say thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Will. This has been a pleasure. Mine too. All right, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Hey, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for tuning back in to, again, this week's episode. Melissa and I had such a fun conversation, as you just heard, about crisis readiness and what it means in your organization and brand and how you can define those terms as a crisis or an issue slash problem. These are really good key factors to pay attention to, as well as building this different lens, 
quote unquote, slash culture in your industry, in your business, and in your property if you're coming from the hotel side. So I really hope you guys enjoyed. Go to melissaagnes.com and you can find out more information about her book as well as all the links in the show notes where I will be putting every single thing. And uh, go ahead, check out the Slick Talk uh, website. So it's slicktalkthepodcast.com as well as uh, we have Twitter, so Slick Talk Pod, P-O-D, and then Instagram, all that good stuff, Facebook. And then, of course, this new app and, I guess, method of marketing. I want to be more interactive with you guys, so you know, go ahead and text the word Slick Talk. That's one word, Slick Talk, to the number 31996. And join my little community. I'm going to be putting out exclusive content strictly through that text platform. And I would love to hear from you guys on what you think and maybe some ideas for the show. So enjoy. Go ahead to slicktalkthepodcast.com to find out more information and follow all the show notes right below. And you'll get more information about Melissa and all the cool things that we just talked about. Thank you guys for tuning back in. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.